Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my real pleasure to welcome today's program, Ken Fleming, who is president of Logistics Technologies that is now part of E2Open. And today we're going to talk about how to max out your peak season parcel performance. Now, as I've said before on, on previous episodes, parcel is no longer the overlooked mode of transportation management. It is you know, now a critical mode for many companies, manufacturers and retailers uh, alike. Um, and, and not just because of... Uh, you know, e-commerce and things like that. But it's also because uh, last mile distribution plays a, such a critical component in helping companies to compete on customer experience. So what are some of the key trends that companies need to, you know, consider and keep in mind as they develop their plans and strategies uh, for the second half of this year and, and beyond? And, you know, what are some of the uh, ways, um, you know, that 3PLs and technology can help companies um, address some of the challenges that, that are out there in the market? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Ken on the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So, Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be here, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ken, um, you know, uh, we've kind of known each other, at least, you know, in passing for, for many, many years. Um, yeah. But it's great to have you on Talking Logistics. And like I always do with first-time guests on the program, um, before we kind of dive into this topic, why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved in this crazy industry that, that we're all in, and you know what your current role and responsibilities are there at Logistics, again, now part of E2Open. Sure, thank you. Um, well, it, it seems like uh, you know yesterday for me, but I was starting to think about this question and um, looking back, especially since uh, doing the transition and um, moving Logistics into being a part of E2Open. But I've been in the industry now for over 30 years, um, and for the most part, pretty well dedicated to supply chain management. You know, my background's in computer science, but um, in particular, I've been focused really around technologies that applies to the supply chain. And that's been in all kinds of areas uh, from cloud planning, forecast replenishment, efficient consumer response, demand planning, um, procurement, um, even now, you know, as, as we're kind of focusing today on transportation logistics. Um, I've lived and worked in five different countries, so I have a fairly unique perspective internationally. Um, and I'd say that, you know, over that 30 plus years, it's been kind of split between North America and Europe. So I have one of those perspectives of what's the difference between North America and Europe? And there are tons, um, but that's that's part of what I've been able to bring as a part of my background to the many organizations I've worked with. Um, I now reside in the Netherlands. So I've lived here for the last nine years. And what I love about most about what I do is basically meeting with the different companies around the world, whether it's retailers, manufacturers, service providers, and learning about their unique business processes and their challenges. And so, you know, as a technology guy at heart, it's kind of like having, you know, being bilingual, but not languages or speaking the language of technology and business and being able to marry those two things together. And not being specifically dedicated to one vertical really opens up opportunity, right? Because I get to see, you know, for, for example, strategies that are being implemented by retailers, but on the other side, working with manufacturers on how to communicate and work with those retailers and third-party service providers that, that can be in between the two. So it's been an amazing, you know, you know, journey for me as a 
part of that. Um, like I said, I love what I do. Um, now being a part of E to Open, I'm focused on, if you like, the integration of logistics as a business within the E to Open. So that's, you know, the integration of not just the business itself, but our customers and our employees um, to make that, you know, as smooth a transition as possible. And it's been a very busy four months. Yeah, well, great, great uh, career path there and, and, and journey, you know, 30 years, uh, certainly a lot has changed over the past 30 years. I mean, I've been in the industry now for for 23 years. And in fact, every time I do the math and say, okay, how long, how, many, how long has it been? It, it, it shocks me that it's been that long already, because it's, you know, time seems to, you know, be flying by. And I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's great to have that perspective in terms of, you know, being here in North America and in the US specifically, you know, sometimes I know I'm guilty of this, but sometimes we kind of assume that, um, you know, the dynamics of what's happening here in the, in the U.S. is similar to what's happening, you know, elsewhere or vice versa. And, and the reality is that these are very different markets. Um, and I've, I've certainly learned a lot over the past few years, you know, whenever I take a, a deeper dive or look into what's happening in transportation in the European market or in even specific countries within Europe, and certainly Asia is very different uh, as well. Mm -hmm. So, I think having that global perspective, you know, helps a lot as well as the ability to work with many, the many different stakeholders, right? Manufacturers, retailers, logistics service providers, because they all bring a different, you know, view and perspective and they have their own unique challenges and, um, you know, requirements as, as it relates to supply chain and uh, logistics. And maybe after this, I'm going to have my son talk to you. He's a computer science major you know, right now. And I'm trying to pull him into the, uh, the supply chain field because, you know, it is such a hot you know, market. And I think there's going to be huge opportunities here. So, um, but, but it's always, you know, great to hear, you know, fellow engineers getting into this, uh, you know, into this field. Like I always, folks that listen to this program regularly know that I'm a material science engineer by background. Yeah. Um, and, and here we are in, you know, uh, you know, sleeves rolled up dealing with supply chain and logistics topics. Um, so, so let's get, let's get to the topic at hand now. Uh, you know, even though it's kind of, you know, we're still in summer and we, we were just in a heat wave here in, in the Boston area. Um, you know, it's never too early to start planning for the, you know, the holiday season. So when it comes to, you know, parcel and, and last mile, you know, distribution, I mean, what are some of the key trends or, or factors that companies should consider as they're developing their, you know, their plans and strategies for the, uh, the weeks, months and year ahead? So, so the way I kind of look at it in this, I'm going to kind of back up a bit and kind of paint a picture as we, as we dive into our topic today, right? But if you think about managing supply chain disruption, because that's what really what we've been faced with over the last several years, and it's, it's never really come into play as much of the, as it did as a result of the pandemic. And now we're faced with much more. But basically, supply chain disruption is on top of the agenda of all the leading supply chain you know, executives that I speak with. Um, you know, major disruptions um, have not only caused challenges, but they've also created opportunity, right? And, and some of that we're seeing as a part of what we'll be talking about in last mile distribution. But the three biggest disruptions, obviously the pandemic, labor shortages. I mean, I, I, I talk about that one probably more than anything right now, uh, about trying to find good people across the supply chain and it's impacting every business. Um, and then most recently, the impact of the war in Ukraine and what it's doing to disrupt supply chains, not just throughout Europe, but throughout the world. So if I was to use one word to kind of describe what I think companies are focusing on, it's versatility. Right? And if you think about it from the supply side, companies are seeking multiple sources of supply. So I've got a major customer of ours that's in, um, that manufactures chip 
producing machines. So they're, they're the company that makes the machines that make the chips that we need. And if you think of the impact of what's, what's gone on in the market, that it used to be a point where most of the chips were being made overseas. And now what they're doing is adapting very quickly to be able to make the, the chips closer to the demand because we can't afford a supply chain disruption where ships are just not coming from those, those foreign markets. So just as on the supply side, we have the same challenge on the distribution side. So I like to think it's no different when it comes to parcel and last mile distribution. Versatility in this case for me means having options, options for distribution to meet the demands of those markets. And that's what is on the primary focus of the supply chain individuals that I I speak with. So it's not just about managing your inbound supply, but it's about creating that versatility on the outbound distribution side of things. And that's what the key focus that I see is going on today. You know, the, the, you brought some great, great topics there, and you're right. I mean, you know, disruptions has been, you know, top of mind for, um, you know, so many supply chain executives, you know, over the past, you know, two plus years. I love that word versatility. I haven't, you know, it, it seems like such a common word, but I haven't heard it as much. I mean, we talk about flexibility, we talk about agility, um, you know, a lot, you know, for, for many, many years, but versatility, I think is a, is a key one here. Um, and I like the way you kind of positioned it in terms of both the inbound side, as well as what's happening on the, uh, the, the distribution and, and last mile delivery side. Um, so, I mean, you know, kind of to kind of, Focus in a little bit more. I mean, so what are, what are some of the challenges then that you know companies are are you know facing as it regards to last mile, you know, in, in meeting the last mile objectives, and, and you know, are they different today than they were, you know, just a few years ago? Oh, absolutely, right, um, right. So if I set the stage for this, then the, you know, carriers are faced with similar challenges, and I'm going to connect the two pieces here for a moment, right? So labor shortages, high demand on carriers. Um, as well as higher fuel prices are all driving up their costs, right? So with demand high, labor constrained, cost high, it's kind of like the perfect storm in distribution. And you being from the Boston area, it's just right on the top of my head right now is the movie, The Perfect Storm, right? Uh, if you remember the Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney um, movie, right? Where, where things are good, uh, frankly, until they aren't. Right. And I look at it as, you, you know, between cost, fuel, labor shortages and demand all coming together all at one is creating this challenge that shippers have to overcome. That's being driven by the fact that their carriers, their partners are faced with new challenges themselves. So driven with those challenges, you know, carriers have capacity constraints and they're having to inform their customers now as to what capacity they have available. So it used to be a case where you would, you know, just think pre-pandemic. You never had a call from one of the big carriers saying, hey, sorry, I can't take your capacity this year, or I need to limit you to X million shipments. It was, come on, bring it on, right? And now they have to manage those customer, um, customer requirements within their entire network because they can't just bring things on. And we are, we are over the last couple of years, we've been seeing capacity selling out at all the major carriers and companies looking for alternatives. So a few years ago, you could have selected what you wanted. Um, you could negotiate rates. Um, you could look for the best you know, kind of price for service that you were doing. And that's completely changed, right? Now you protect what you have and you're actually seeking to augment those capacity constraints and you do it well in advance of peak season. All right. The last thing you want is that phone call as you're running, running up in the peak says, 
I can't. And then you're like, where, where do I go? What do I do? And, you know, and we uh, in particular went through a lot of customers um, in, in the pandemic stage where they were hitting that requirement and they're saying, I need another carrier. I need it now. I've got to get them up and running. So waiting for that last minute, never, never, you know, never good. Right. Um, and so planning for that is, is actually what I see companies looking for. In addition to this, if you think about it from the perspective of the, the rising consumer delivery requirements, you know, having carriers that support local delivery, same day delivery, even one hour delivery services are all now key initiatives that are being driven by the increase in e-commerce. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of the call. And since the pandemic, that has never been, you know, it's, it's first and and foremost in front and center with respect to the way that we as consumers are behaving. Um, and then add on to that, what we all refer to as the Amazon effect, right? What, what Amazon as a business is driving into the companies that we work with is they're having to respond to what Amazon's doing. So when you combine all these things together, I really do see it as the perfect storm. Now, the good news is there are solutions and strategies out there to do it, but that kind of sets the stage and a description of what companies are faced with today you know a lot of uh, a lot of a lot to unpack there so i think you, you brought up a lot of great points and i i love i love that be, the, the the fact that you know i think for a long time you know a lot of shippers or everyone in the industry just assumed that there was infinite capacity right particularly when it came to parcel and last mile like you said it was like you know there will always be a fedex or a ups or someone like that that will come and, and pick it up but i think I think there were warning signs even before the pandemic, right? So if you look back to, you know, some of the, uh, you know, particularly during the, the traditional peak seasons, right? The holiday seasons, you know, mm -hmm. you had issues where, you know, some of the big, you know, carriers ran into capacity issues, right? Because of the volumes and everything else. And, but they started working on their, you know, uh, upgrading their networks and, and so forth. But then the pandemic, obviously, and the volumes that they were hit with, um, I think they're following the footsteps that many of the, let's say, truckload carriers have been following, at least the, the more progressive and smarter ones, is that, hey, you know what, we're going to focus on, you know, on the customers that actually make us money. <laughs> we're going to become much more, you know, uh, uh, we're going to segment our customers and those that and, and segment the type of freight that we take. And, and you know, we're going to focus on profitability and those that align the best with our network. And then um, if, if you don't fit into this profile, then I'm sorry, you know, and I think that points to what you were talking about that, you know, some customers are just being left out if they're not planning effectively or um, if they're not aligning well with, you know, the direction that the carriers are moving in um, and not, you know, diversifying and, 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 and so forth. You know, those are the ones that have been, you know, experiencing, you know, some, some challenges here. So to your last point, well, let's talk about, you know, uh, so those are the challenges. I mean, how can companies overcome, you know, those challenges and, and, you know, is this an area that, you know, third-party logistics providers can help? Yeah. So, so there are a few key initiatives, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on two, um, and then talk about, you know, third-party logistics as a part of this, but, um, first is around capacity management, right? Um, there are so many companies like you, when you, if you think about it, when a shipper contracts with a carrier, they commit to a, you know, a certain amount of capacity. I'm going to ship 10 million packages. You know, the carrier then makes a contractual commitment that says I'll take 10 million. Right. Um, and what we're, what we're, you know, what we need to recognize is if we miss that 10 million, right. Then the carriers get excess capacity that they could not sell. And if we excel over that, then they've got a lack of capacity, and you're going to get fined one way or the other, and and potentially worse, they're not going to be able to carry your capacity at all, and you got to go somewhere else. 
So tracking performance, and I'm not talking about on time and full type traditional tracking of I sent a shipment, did it get there? And what were my charges, et cetera? Those will come into play uh, uh, as we talk later. But in particular, it's about understanding that capacity and managing to that capacity, right? So that you avoid things that um, um, you avoid excess penalties as well as balancing the workload across the carrier network. That's one major initiative. So to seek, uh, sorry, many companies seek then to have greater visibility to the industry's capacity um, to avoid last minute carrier notifications um, that capacity is unavailable. I've had conversations with major retailers around the world where they've said to me is that, is there anyone out there that has kind of a, a shipping index that can tell us or alert us when something's happening the same way? Think about it from an ocean perspective, right? We now have the ability to predict from an ocean perspective when we're going to start to see problems, where we will have the jams in the supply chain. Why don't we have the same thing from a possible perspective? Because we can't be caught short again. Now, that's not available today, but what is available is the ability to manage what you contract to, and companies need to be able to do a better job of doing that, and many do not, right? They, they tend to sign the contracts through procurement, hand it over to execution, and supply chain execution is executing onto, on it, but it's about managing the two things together to make sure you, you, you hit the targets, and if you, you know, if you look like you're going to, then what's the alternative? What's your plan B, in effect? Um, so speaking of plan B, then you dive into number two, which is this multi-carrier parcel shipping um, strategy, and one that I've been involved in since since logistics now part of E to open. But it's basically, I do I describe this, gaining access to a plan B, if you like, right? So gone are the days of a single carrier strategy where you've committed to that carrier and you've got a loyal partnership and they're going to be there for you. You have to be prepared for when they're not. So even if they're defined as strategic, that partnership, shippers now are seeking alternatives where they're trying to ensure that they'll always have capacity available, if not from their primary partner. So an easy option, for example, is integrate using postal services, right? They're always there. So to me, they're like the trusty fallback. I mean, yes, they provide a value service, but many people don't think about them because you're going to the traditional um, carrier services. Um, but it's about them and ensuring that you've got a solution with the post office um, on top of additional regional, um, national, and even international carriers. Now, the hard part about timing, you know, we're talking about preparation for peak um, in our conversation today is, look, it's, it's for all intents and purposes, it's August, right? And we're getting ready to walk right into peak now. If you don't have those alternative strategies, the chances of you reaching out or your procurement teams reaching out and talking to a carrier brand new, asking for capacity this year, you'll likely run into sold out situations. So your shopping process, your hunting process for carriers could be longer than expected. So having options and versatility, back to that word versatility again, to me is key. Um, so to support this strategy, multi-carrier shipping solutions are a key play. Um, the concept behind it is pretty simple. It's you know, you integrate once so that your systems are talking to the solution and the solution worries about talking to all the different carriers. So you can add and subtract freely depending on what you're trying to do. So that is a major initiative. That's the second key initiative. Now, 
we, you mentioned, you know, kind of in your question about third party logistics, can they play a role? And the answer is obviously yes. And, and many companies do. Um, from, from our perspective, we see them as another distribution alternative. So it's not just about integrating to a carrier, but we could be integrating with carriers and 3PLs in a combined effort to move any one of our customers' um, shipping volumes around the world. Um, but they too are faced with the exact same problems that we're talking about, right? So they themselves have their own carrier relationships and their own capacity constraints with their partners. So when companies are looking for that 3PL kind of partner and advantage, one of the things that I do is I say, make sure that they have their plans in place as well. So it's not just, oh, good, we've got a new partnership. It's how is that partner going to execute as part of the strategy as well? So they absolutely play a role. Uh, we see them playing a role. Think about it, um, uh, depending on the company, they might have their manager, their own distribution networks in North America using 3PLs in other parts around the world or vice versa, Europe to North America. Um, but in many cases, they all have the same strategies and distribution and the same challenges. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of great, you know, advice there and, and uh, you know, insights. Going back to something you said earlier um, with, you know, capacity management, um, you know, do you think that that's uh, a function of some of the challenges companies have with accurately forecasting how much capacity they're going to need? You know, so, I mean, we've seen like in the news lately, you know, where, you know, some of the major retailers have too much inventory now because of, you know, for a variety of different reasons, right? So, you know... You know, we always know that in supply chain, the forecast is always wrong. So when you're trying to, you know, uh, uh, translate, you know, demand forecasts and what you think you might sell into transportation capacity requirements, you know, that's always been a challenge. So, I mean, I think, do you see that as being one of the challenges or hurdles is to kind of making that translation between demand forecast, sales forecast, and then converting that into what we're going to need from a capacity standpoint? Absolutely. And, and I, if you think about it from a transportation perspective, when we think about freight, it's much more planned, right? We know, especially on the supply side, because you're, you're actually saying, okay, the goods are going to be manufactured by this time frame. I need to be able to move them from supply into my warehouses for distribution, whatever the case may be. So from a planning perspective, we're much better at it at that end. But when you start taking a look at last mile distribution, think of the behavior how good are we at predicting the behavior of the consumer? How good are we predicting what's going to be hot or not over the peak season? And so while our marketing experts are putting their hats on to be able to predict as best they can, it's about creating that versatility or that flexibility, as you pointed out earlier, to be able to adapt to those changes. And that's what we're seeing. So what was much more predictable when we were thinking about e-commerce, for example, if we went back two to three years, we were we were still saying it's five to ten percent of our of our revenue from a, a retailer's distribution perspective, and now we're seeing it's upwards of thirty to forty percent in many cases. So as a result, we're having to be we have to be able to adapt and change to that. So it is a major factor, and Parcel doesn't have that planning process. I mean, you you don't know what the consumer is going to order in e-commerce until they order. So it's the ability to match more what you have on inventory and then be able to respond with inventory to fulfillment on demand. And so what you're really trying to do is to say, how well are those things interconnected? And that's when you see strategies like 
you know, the omni-channel strategies of integrating not just fulfillment applications, but inventory applications with order management applications. And that becomes a key factor to, to address what you're describing. But absolutely, it plays a big, a big point. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I think it just, you know, comes down to just the importance then of, you know, it's not one of these things where you kind of, you know, the set it and forget it, right? You set here, here's our capacity plan or, or forecast. And then you you kind of forget about, it. I mean, the, the ongoing communication with your, you know, carrier partners and ongoing analysis based on the real-time data that's coming in on the demand side, on the sales side and so on and so forth. I mean, I think this is a, a living and breathing you know, process here, a continuous process, not something that is, uh, you know, something you do at a certain time of the year, you hit go and then, you know, see how it goes and pray that it works. It's something that's, you got to continuously manage, you know, throughout. Um, you know, we, we every time we talk about transportation management, any aspect of it, we, it's always about cost. Um, you know, cost is always, you know, the, the focal point of those service obviously plays a key role here. But so, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of these decisions still being driven by by costs or are there other factors at play here as well? Well, I mean, I mean, yes, is the obvious answer, but even more so now with the impact of the war in Ukraine and fuel costs, right? So of course it's a huge factor, um, but planning is key for that, right? So um, accessing many carriers, contracted capacity, managing the, uh, the um, managing the actual capacity or factors that must be taken into consideration, but selecting the right carrier for the job is not just price, it's service level, transit time, origin availability, you know, which carriers are better suited in certain regions or geographic areas. So what you might find, you know, one carrier services, for example, Northeastern United States much better than another and one other services Northwestern United States better than the other and certain carriers, same thing applies across Europe, different carriers fit in different areas with respect, but that doesn't mean they're always going to be the best carrier for the job. So you have to weigh that in from not just an origin perspective, but service, transit time, rates, accessorials, fuel prices and capacity all weigh into the decision that will be driven. So while it's a big factor, it's not the only factor. Um, all must be managed to avoid unnecessary costs. That's what you're trying to do is avoid unnecessary. So when you're planning for it, and you understand it, and the customer's made a buying decision, and you've calculated the cost of distribution as a part of that buying decision, all good. But when disruption or something interferes with that, then things change, and you need to be able to analyze it and react much, much better. So um, that's where we see, you know, if you're going to manage these unnecessary costs, they can even outweigh for example, the actual cost of a shipment. And there's some really ugly stories, you know, that we saw over the last couple of years where companies were responding to high, uh, you know, a lot of orders were coming in, but because they hadn't managed or, or set up this capacity, they were just doing rush orders out the door and the cost of the shipment outweighed the cost of the goods being sold. Bad business decision, right? Um, but not as a part of this, um, you know, Adrian, I get asked a lot about sustainability and how it plays a factor into this. Uh, into the mix. And while it's on the priority list, I always say it kind of gets stuck right below getting the products out the door. So when you ask about the priorities for companies, it's always there and they're thinking about it. But when it comes to distribution, you're, you're going, well, am I doing so in a green manner? Am I thinking that way? You know, it's get the products out the door because that's what I'm being measured on. I need to make sure that the customer is going to be happy. So in my opinion, and really, you know, I look at this as it all starts with education of the consumer. 
And we as consumers relate to this a lot, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm being heavily influenced by my younger generation, you know, my son, my, my sons and my daughter who are now very, um, not just about being organic, but they're very eco-friendly and the products and the types of services, um, uh, or sorry, the products that they're purchasing now. But what I think is interesting is they haven't adjusted their behavior about how they order those products. You know, so my daughter's got this kick right now about making sure she's got no plastic, you know, so things like bar shampoo and conditioners that are wrapped in paper is very important to her. And I, you know, I, I, I love the initiative, but then I, you know, then I see it's like, um, yeah, and it's going to be here tomorrow because I did next day delivery, you know, that kind of scenario. And you go, well, wait a minute, how do we do that? How do we educate them? Right. So, um, we are trending to sustainable product, but we're not understanding the impact of distribution on um, as a part of that process, at least as consumers, we're not, right? So, I mean, how crazy are we to order those sustainable goods? Uh, for example, the soaps that I mentioned in my example with next day delivery. If consumers are aware of the impact, right, um, of knowing that immediately ordering, but would accept, for example, a three-day delivery window. Right. If we know that to be the case where if we allow the vendor to manage within three days, they actually can plan better. And by planning better, they they do things on scheduled routes. Right. So as a result of those scheduled routes and better planning process is it allows them to reduce the impact you know, um, um, uh, on the environment as a result. So we actually start to see some of those processes, but we don't understand that when we're making the buying process. All right. So that to me is a part of what we have to do is create better education through the entire supply chain, not just on the goods themselves to help reduce the carbon footprint of delivery. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think there is, you know, uh, you know, the consumer plays a big role here and, uh, you know, similar experience <laughs> with my family as well in terms of you know uh, uh being more eco-conscious if you will but then there are other aspects of it that um, you know if you don't fully understand the full scope of uh particularly on the delivery side um you know you're kind of negating some of what you're trying to you know accomplish there although i mean i think it, we are taking some steps there i mean i think we've, we've done episodes and blog posts around this i mean part of it is the the fact that part of educating the consumer is you need to have the data um, you know, and some standards, you know, standard ways right. of measuring, you know, CO2 reduction or, you know, emissions uh, uh, and so forth. And that's all happening, but it's, it's not, um, you know, something that is as widespread, you know, today uh, as it might be in, in the future. But nonetheless, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think that's the direction, the general direction we're, we're, we're moving in. And I think that will, will continue to play a bigger and bigger role, you know, in, in the years, in the years ahead. So it's something that at least, be thinking about and start putting some, uh, you know, structure around. Uh, well, Ken, we're running a little bit short yeah. on time here. So, uh, you know, as a way to wrap up and, I, and you've already touched upon this, uh, you know, a little bit, I mean, obviously, you know, technology plays, uh, you, you know, a role here in, in everything we, we, we talked about. Um, so, you know, as a way to summarize, I mean, how can it help? How can technology help? And, you know, what are some of the capabilities that are, that are most important for companies to consider? So, I look at as supply chains become more complex and the demand continues to increase. I'm back to my versatility word of the day, so to speak. Um, 
if you manage it through visibility into the performance of your network from order to delivery to cost of the shipment is critical, right? You're going to, you're going to be able to see it end to end. You know, did I, I got the order, I got it to the customer on time. That's fantastic news. How much did it cost me? Did it meet what I was planning for that cost? Yes or no. So getting access to that um, is, is more and more critical. And the greater the complexity, the greater the challenge to implement it. Now, when you start to think about parcel and last mile, this is not about, you know, you know, a 10 or tens of thousands of shipments, we're getting into the millions and the multi-millions of shipments, especially during peak season, where each shipment, each parcel in the in the order, if you like, is an individual transaction that we're trying to manage. How well are we doing? Um, so access to visibility of that information and what we're doing and how we're performing, how are we managing to the contracts that I mentioned is key. So where technology is kicking in here is really comes into three major factors for me, right? One is the ability to be able to integrate your application with a multi-channel strategy. So back to my multi, multi-channel uh, uh, or multi, multi-carrier shipping solution strategy. Second is making sure that you've got access to carriers. And then the third is receiving and utilizing the data that you're gathering with your carrier partners. So this is not about their data or your data, it's your combined data to be able to help you understand what's going on. So when we look at that from the perspective of, um, you know, the, those complexities where we're saying, are we delivering from warehouses? Are we delivering from stores, ship from stores type strategies, e-commerce applications, um, dealing with PUDO, you know, pick up, pick up drop off locations, drop ship, last mile, having versatility to address all of those different initiatives. So it's the same problem, but different ways of addressing it based on the different strategies to serve effectively the end customer. So the key things from my perspective is looking for solutions that allow you to integrate with critical business applications flexibly, you know, um, provide access to the carriers that meet your demand. And again, think proactive here so that if you've got a close relationship with one, maybe two, what, what's your plan B, right? Do you have access to more? Or do, does your technology give you the ability to access more? Um, and access your data and the ability to measure all aspects of what's going on with your distribution network's performance. Um, not just about on time and full tick in the box type process. Um, this coming peak season will not be the same as others, right? Um, at least not in my way of thinking, because if, if we went back, think about pre-pandemic, we were talking about peak season and say, oh, you've got to prepare. You got to be ready because it's growing. And then the pandemic hit and everybody thought, well, the volume's not going to be there. And it boomed and it didn't boom for one year. It's boomed every year since. So we've changed and it's going to do the same thing again. So why are we still talking about it and not actually reacting to that demand? So I think it's going to be even more demanding. And those companies that have prepared through planning their capacity and integration of multi-carrier shipping solutions will, will have a definite advantage. Well, Ken, we, we certainly covered a lot of a lot of ground here, and uh, I think we'll, we'll find out soon enough uh, whether whether your uh, prediction that uh, you know this this upcoming holiday season will be not be like the others, uh, um, you know, in, in just a short time here. But uh, again, thank you very much for you know making the time to share your insights and, and advice on this topic and. Uh, you know, certainly we'll, we'll have you back on the program in the not too distant future to, you know, take a pulse of the market again and, and see what adjustments companies need to make it to whatever reality we, we find ourselves in, in a, in a few months time. So again, 
Thank you for, for making the time to be with us. No, thank you for having me, Adrian. It was a pleasure. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the E2 Open website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Ken, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.